All right, we are live. All right, hello Perfect. everybody. Thank you for checking out this video. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kirsten. I am an ecologist and a SciCommer collaborating with Untamed Science to help bring interesting topics in biology and ecology. Today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk a little bit about different freshwater animals uh, that are accidentally harmed in recreational fishing. Now, before we get started, I just want to make clear that we're not trying to attack fishermen. We're not trying to say that fishing is wrong or bad, but what we want to do is just take a look at some of the possible consequences for that and ways that we can fish with a lower impact or fish responsibly, if we want to use that term. Uh, with me here is Nicholas, and he is actually researching freshwater turtle spatial ecology and behavior, and he helped bring this issue to my attention through an Instagram post, which we're going to share with you guys a little bit later here. Um, so Nicholas, can you just start by introducing yourself a little bit and telling us what you do, where? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you introduced me, my name is Nicholas McCarney. Um, I am based in Northern Illinois, uh, a couple hours outside of Chicago, for those of you who don't necessarily know the state of Illinois. Um, and yeah, my primary uh, job is basically establishing and managing natural areas or native ecosystems, uh, basically on a floristic soil and hydro hydrological level. Um, however, in order to manage that, I'm also looking at the ecology of the ecosystem, which, you know, kind of comes with the name of the territory. But I look at that wildlife as well. And my passion has always been um, reptiles and amphibians. Uh, funny kind of anecdotal story is that originally this research was supposed to be centered around snakes and turtles were supposed to be kind of like a little bit of a sub area. I wasn't even considering researching them necessarily at first. Um, but my natural areas ended up yielding zero snakes under over 150 cover boards this entire year. So um, we switched to turtles to look at the uh, ec ecological levels and management levels of these areas to see if there's any trends or um data that we can accrue and determine whether or not these natural areas are beneficial to the herpetological populations. Okay. Yeah. Hard to do research on snakes when there's no snakes. <laughs> I'm sure yep. any biologist <laughs> understands <laughs> that. Yeah. Excellent. Um, okay. That's great. So in your kind of studies, you have came across a couple Obviously, you're coming across a lot of different wildlife, and sometimes there's wildlife that's injured. Uh, can you tell me what wildlife do you think or have you seen most negatively gets impacted by freshwater fishing? Is it mostly just turtles, um, other than the fish, of course, which are being caught and sometimes eaten? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. um, so in my personal experience, I've seen actually like many different animals get affected by fishing lines. However... As I'll explain a little bit later, when we get into it a little bit further, we don't necessarily see possibly the main extent of fishing lines. I see birds entangled them, entangled in the lines in trees. I've seen birds literally hanging by their neck, completely asphyxiated until they die. Um, I've seen use it in their nests, and then the babies will sometimes ingest it and die that way. Um, mammals also get caught up in fishing lines and fishing gear. Some of the bait that's used can be toxic or it can uh, cause negative issues down the line. Um, there's tons and tons of different um, direct effects on wildlife. And those are just the ones that I see just when I'm regularly working in these natural areas. Right. Okay. So the problems that we're looking at here are fishing line is a huge one. 
um, baits that are toxic. And then of course we have um, things that are actually accidentally caught um, by fishermen, right? So there's a couple different issues that are directly related to recreational fishing in your area. Right. Okay, excellent. Um, so what got us talking specifically about this problem is turtles and fishing hooks. So uh, what we're gonna do here is just talk a little bit about the post that you shared um, mm -hmm. and just explain to me what we saw in that post and um, why it's a problem and why we started talking about this issue, sorry. Right. So um, are you gonna bring up the post on your yeah, end? Yeah, let me, let me just go ahead and do that. That's fine. While you're doing that, I can just give a brief brief explanation. Yeah, of the for sure. I do have it loaded here. I think we can see it. Okay. All right. So, just tell us a little bit what we're looking at here in this in this first picture. Right. So that is a uh, X-ray of a softshell turtle, a spiny softshell turtle, Apollonia spinifera. Um, you can actually see if you look at the back of the shell there, um, just above the neck, you okay. can. See the spines that where they get their names. There's also a smooth soft shell, Apollonia mutica, which is um, also uh, a native species. But um, spiny soft shells are actually a species of concern in Canada. Um, I believe they're federally endangered out there, actually. Okay. Um, these guys are like very, very sensitive and um, they have very kind of like detritivore scavenger type behaviors where they'll sit in the bottom and wait for food to opportunistically come for them. They also actively scavenge. So what happened in this case is it was scavenging for a bait that was likely placed on the bottom of a, um, of a pond that I was surveying in. And the hook became lodged in the back of the mouth there. All um, right, so yeah, we can see that the hook is right here if I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And it's a barbed hook as well, which is more difficult to remove. Sometimes the smooth hooks will just kind of dislodge themselves. And also there's types of hooks that can like break down over time and rust out. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of fishermen will use um, stainless steel ones that just really don't do that. Right. Um, in this case, this was never going to happen. This turtle actually wound up in one of my turtle traps and it was very, it was almost the luckiest turtle that the, the circumstances that lined up for its capture and its eventual, um, uh, I guess, uh, medical attention are ridiculous. So it had not only this, this individual hook that you see in the x-ray, but a much longer hook on a line sticking out of its right. mouth. I think, I think we have a photo here. Was this one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. That is the turtle. And you can see that there's one line in the mouth and then there's that other hook that's wrapped around its neck partially. And right. both hooks are the same size. So it has okay. a hook of size lodged in its throat which right. closed its throat entirely due to swelling and also just clamping it shut and mm -hmm. it was unable to eat it wouldn't even it couldn't even bite or open its mouth at the point that i found it um you can also kind of see that its skin is they're typically very wrinkly but, but not to this extent and its skull is kind of exposed you can see the the definition of the uh the skull and on you can't see it in the pictures here but its spine and ribs were completely exposed at the back. And immediately when I saw this turtle, I knew something was wrong. Right. Um, the traps I use are net traps um, that go into like a big steel canister. And I was going to have a picture of it, but I put all the traps away for the winter since it is winter in Illinois. Um, right. 
there was no good pictures I could have taken. But basically, it's just a big old net with a big cage on the end. And then I bait the traps and the turtles come in and they can't get back out. They're marked and then re-released. And then we take the data, obviously, when we capture them. Right. Well, this plan is to actually get into, through the net system, with this hook dangling out of its throat, get into the cage. And the net is just like a a limp net. like So you have to push your way through. So it's a miracle that this turtle was able to get itself in there to a point where it was able to get captured by me. Also, I only check the traps when the baits have been touched because... There wouldn't be a turtle in there. Turtles don't just swim into the traps. They only go in there with um when the to to eat the bait. So mm-hmm. if it's untouched, I just drive by, I look, a visual see that it's untouched, and I would just drive by. I've changed that since now because for whatever reason I decided to check it this day. And um both baits were intact completely. And I lifted up the trap and this turtle was sitting at the bottom. It was drawn in by the food, but it was unable to consume the food. Um and then I immediately noticed that something was wrong with it. I took it out, took my measurements, and then it's impossible not to notice the massive hook hanging out of its mouth. I took it to the local wildlife rehabilitation center. So I will take a point to um, thank them for both the care of these turtles, um, working with me in their re-release and things like that, and also the Willowbrook uh, Wildlife Center for allowing me to use these x-ray photos in my post and allowing us to show them today. Right, um, yeah, excellent. Rehabilitation awesome. Center you. is um, Oak and Acres Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. Awesome. Yeah, that- and those links are going to be down in the description for you guys to check out uh, the Instagram for Oak and Acres and then the webpage for um, Willow Crest. <laughs> or which yep. one is it? Sorry. Willow, Willowbrook. Willowbrook. Yeah, it, Sorry about Oak, that. There's Oak, Oak and Acres and Willowbrook. Willowbrook but, there we go. Yeah. So those, uh, the links are down in the description if anybody's interested in taking a look. So um, there was one other turtle, I think. Is this a separate turtle as well? Yes, yeah. that actually is. Um, and that kind of brings up another point that I want to talk about is that this turtle was, I have captured multiple times. It is a uh, relatively large, I want to say male snapping turtle. I might might be misremembering that. Um, but I, I captured this turtle several times and there had never been any issues with it or visible signs of uh, trauma or hooks or anything. Until one day, it had a small weight hanging out of its mouth with a very small fishing line. Um, So it probably was attracted to the bait, uh, bit down, and then snapped it off. Excuse me. But the hook that was originally lodged in there, and it's that that little tiny one that you can see. There's actually... This one right here. And the one directly in the middle was the little tiny one that I noticed. Okay. Those two significantly larger ones were lodged in its throat for a much longer time. They said they were rusty. They had been there for most of it had kind of healed over. I was actively hunting. It was eating. It wasn't showing any signs of any sort of stress or anything because like reptiles don't have the capability to emote, at least not on a human level that we're receptive of. They don't have eyebrows. They can't make facial expressions. They don't show pain or anything like that. They just have defensive behavior. And if you've ever worked with snapping turtles, they absolutely always 100% of the time live up to their name and will try to bite you. Right. So <laughs> if one's in pain and it's biting more regularly, it's not a turtle where you're like, well, that's an odd behavior. Um, so you can't see it. The only reason I knew about it was because it had a small weight hanging out in this one particular time that I had captured it. Right. I took it to the, uh, the wildlife rehab, and then they came back to me and said, there's actually three hooks lodged in this turtle's mouth, which means it'd been hooked three separate occasions in the same pond. Right. Um, Cause this turtle hadn't ever left. Right. And uh, 
that's the one caveat to what I was saying earlier is, yeah, I do see mostly birds and, uh, and mammals and stuff affected by fishing line. But if you think about it, most of the fishing line that's getting broken off or lost or discarded is under the water. And we're not visually seeing that any right. turtle that bites a line and a fisherman cuts the line or they're using a line that's not weighted for a turtle. They, that line snaps off. That line gets ingested and I am looking at possibly doing uh, x-rays on all of the turtles or at least a larger portion of the turtles I capture, regardless of whether they show um, signs of a hook ingestion or something like that, just to see at what level, what percentage are actually ingesting hooks. Because there's a lot of research that states that like pretty much if a turtle is living in a pond that is fished at any sort of regularity, at some point it will ingest a hook. Right. Okay, so it's almost an unavoidable thing to have them not be attracted to the bait and not to ingest the hook, right? Right, exactly. And there are mitigation techniques, okay. um, but I'm the first one to tell you that like recreational fishing is just at generally a hazard to turtles, but I personally am not one to attack recreational fishing, and I don't think that it should be regulated in such a severe way to take away from getting people out in nature and learning about nature because some, for some people that's their first and only experience with nature. And if you take that away from them, then they're more likely to be resistant to conservation and things like that. Right. Um, but again, mitigation is kind of the key thing here. And um, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that now or f- in the future, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just have two other points for us to get through and then we'll talk a little bit more about the mitigation and what we can do. Um, there's just a final photo here uh, just of the actual turtle itself. And just so you guys can see a little bit uh, what the hooks are look like. They're obviously very large and you can actually see here where you were speaking about the, the tissue was regrowing back mm-hmm. over, yes. over there. Um, so just, I want you just briefly to help us out here with what happens to these guys after they go through a surgery, kind of best and worst case scenario. Right. So um, I will say that the snapping turtle was what we would consider a less severe case. Although he did have more hooks embedded in him, it wasn't causing him an inability to eat. So therefore he wasn't, he didn't suffer any weight loss. Um, They're incredibly hardy being that they're like those bottom dwelling tritivores and they tend to just wedge themselves under rocks and sticks and stuff. They get cut up. They're tough, tough animals. Right. Um, and they recover very quickly. A soft shell turtle, on the other hand, is by nature a lot more susceptible to uh, like a cut or an impact or something like that. They just don't necessarily have the protection that a, a snapping turtle does. Um, so we'll just take a best and worst case. Worst case scenario is that the animal dies. Um, do to the stress of the situation from the surgery anesthesia on reptiles is not necessarily always as um trying to think of the word i'm looking for it doesn't work as well with reptiles as it does with mammals and stuff like that you're not going to get a hundred percent of animals waking up from anesthesia with if they're reptiles um it's just because their their biology is different um so the snapping turtle was actually released. So that is a, a, a good, happy ending to that story, at least. Um, the spiny soft shell, however, his, his emaciation and uh, healing process was so severe that he needs to be kept over winter. I actually believe it's a female. Um, uh, the female needs to be kept over winter to uh, basically recover, put on more weight, and just 
make sure that it is functioning and, you know, for re-release, it can be um, fully as healthy as it possibly can be so that it doesn't necessarily, if it comes into contact with a predator or something like that, it's able to run away or defend itself. Right, of Um, course. Okay. And the thing is, with my research, it's also a negative impact on my research because these animals have to be relocated from where they originally were. Now, I will say that almost 100% of the time, um, these animals are reintroduced back to where they were brought in from. That's just how rehabilitation centers work. Um, But in this case, it's clear that it's so detrimental to their health and that if they get put back in that that pond that's overfished, that they will probably wind up in the same situation again and they probably won't be as lucky. So we're the DNR. I have all of my permits for my research and stuff like that. We're just making sure that the DNR is aware of the relocation of these animals and that they understand that they can't be re-released into the same pond, but they are released into the same eco region and um, just in an area like a river or something like that, where they'll be less likely to get caught up in, in recreational fishing gear. Right. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So it's a long road for, for these nonprofit organizations sometimes when, uh, you get such a severe case, especially like with your little soft shell there. Um, so definitely if, uh, anybody's watching this video and wants to learn more, head over to the website. If you guys have a little bit of an ability to donate, it's, they're all nonprofit organizations, if I'm correct. Right. So yes, um, absolutely. Running off and the help of this. So that is, um, something that's super important and part of why we're bringing up this conversation. Um, yeah, so that's great. So we've learned a lot about what it looks like for the turtles um, and what's getting caught and what the causes are of that. So what can fishermen help do to help mitigate this then? Um, mostly in terms of turtles as we're talking right now, but we can talk a little bit as well about um, fishing line and the other problems that we've been seeing. Right. So the the biggest one is just be a responsible fisherman. If you're out there and your line gets tangled on something, don't just cut it at the base, cut it as close to the hook as you possibly can. I understand that there's snags underwater and stuff like that. Um, Try your best to dislodge the hook in any way that you can. If you get it caught in a tree, pull your line out. And if your line gets tangled, I see most of the issues I see are people cut their line. They just drop it where they were fishing. Um, I have trash left in my natural areas all the time, and it's something that's a big issue that I, I'm trying to kind of impress upon to the public so that they understand the impacts of what they're doing. Um, other mitigation techniques would be uh, looking into uh, rustaway hooks or lures or things like that. Um, reduction of baited fishing. Um, it is a sport, and I believe that I support more of the sport fishing aspect of it. Or obviously for food sustainability and things like that. If you're trying to catch animals, I understand. But for the most part, as a recreational hobby or sport, um, use a lure uh, because you're not attracting a turtle with a lure, a plastic lure. They're based on scent. It's usually murky in ponds and stuff like that. They're using their sense of smell and stuff like that. And also um, with a lure, you're moving it constantly. Whereas with, say, something if you're trying to catch catfish or carp, you're using a very smelly, attractive bait that if you put at the bottom of a pond, nine times out of 10, the first thing that's going to get there is a turtle that's on the move. Um, you may catch your carp and your catfish as well, but at the same time, a lot of the time when you snag something and you feel like a, a really heavy weight on it, imagine being a turtle that's just swallowed that hook and somebody just yanks on that line and lodges it deep into your throat. Um, 
So yeah, it can be very detrimental to the health of the turtles. And then I would say that, um, yeah, I mean, that I, that pretty much covers it. I mean, discard your lures, discard, not discard, sorry, throw out your lures and your line and um, make sure that you're, you know, fit. that doesn't necessarily have to do with this, but something that I want to get out as long as I have the platform to do so is respect the ecosystem that you're fishing in. If there's like plants and stuff like that, don't cut down the plants or trample them down or throw logs around. That's all habitat. Um, it's all natural. So leave it, um, utilize nature to attract fish to you. Don't try and manipulate it to catch fish in a non-sportsmanlike way. Um, yeah, I think, I just think that I support fishermen and I think that if you're a true fisherman, you respect nature. So Right. For sure. If those natural habitats aren't there, you're not going to find any fish in an unhealthy pond. Right. So right. Exactly. Something to keep in mind. Um, something also, um, barbed hooks. I know in a lot of areas in Canada, for example, in, in the Yukon, uh, where I'm from a lot of places, you're not allowed to have barbed hooks. Um, what, what is your thoughts on, on, on barbed hooks? And if having unbarbed hooks, is that going to make a significant difference or is it about the same? I think that it makes it easier for their removal. I mean, like, as we've kind of talked about, ingestion is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you, if you're, if something's ingested, you might as well make it as easy for removal, both for like in a rehabilitation sense or, and just you as a fisherman. I understand that like you're more likely to lose a fish or whatever if you don't have a barbed hook. But at the same time, if you're a good fisherman, then you don't really have to worry about that. Um, that's my cheeky little response to that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think that like in the long run, the reduction of barbed hooks is going to really, really help facilitate both the animals just purging those hooks from their system and then digesting them or, or spitting them back up or whatever. Or in worst case scenario, when they do get lodged in there, it helps for their removal because it's very, very difficult to remove a barb. And um, that's when you have to get into that surgical removal versus just being able to anesthetize the animal and just pop it out. Right. Excellent. Awesome. So essentially for fishermen, clean up after yourself, please. And thank you. <laughs> Take your yeah. lines, uh, look into different types of hooks and definitely consider trying to use less bait. That's, that's great. Um, for those of, uh, the audience that aren't fishermen and that are interested in helping out with this issue, what are some of your thoughts on, on how the, the average Joe who's not out there fishing can help with this, this problem? I think that the biggest thing that we need right now is proper education of these kind of things. And I think that um, a lot of times when people take education into their hands, they more tell people how to do something rather than suggest or present information. I'm a big proponent of just presenting information to people in a receivable and approachable way. Uh, if you approach somebody in an aggressive or defensive way, it's something like that. They're naturally going to get defensive and you've immediately lost your credibility right off the bat. Um, share stories like this, share stories like the turtle stories, um, provide information with it. Because if you're making claims to somebody and you have no support for it, then you really have no basis for your argument, regardless of how passionate you are. Um, and just utilize uh, social media to your advantage. Um, don't go seeking out a fight. Don't go seeking out anything. Um, like a negative interaction with somebody mm -hmm. get close with people. And if they have a differing opinion or a different opinion than you on something, understand and respect that opinion, but then also present information that make 
might be uh, beneficial to your side of the argument. Um, and that kind of goes with most things in life. Um, but right. yeah, be respectful of one another and like uh, share information in an attainable way. And, you know, use facts because facts are great because they're facts. Um, don't you let your opinions get in the way. Imagine you're writing a scientific paper. You're not su- submitting a science paper with a bunch of your opinions on it. You're trying to convince people with facts and data and stuff like that. Um, the data is out there. The facts are out there. The pictures of injured turtles, of injured animals, they're out there. Show people that. Show people their impact and help them to understand the problem rather than trying to make them change. Right. Excellent. I think that's that's really great. And I think that's really important that you know we take a respectful rep- approach to things and have a conversation. There's, it's, yes. you can always be a conversation. You can look at both sides and um, that's really great advice for us. Thanks. Before we wrap up, I did just want to quickly showcase, uh, speaking of social media, uh, Nicholas, you have a really super awesome uh, page that people can go ahead and follow. So Aww. if you guys aren't already following Nicholas, you can see a whole bunch of really cute animals. I pulled out a couple different turtle pictures here just to showcase <laughs> a little bit. Uh, actually, that snapping turtle was the one that um, had the hooks in its mouth. This one here. No, no, sorry. Oh, no, the, this, this snapping turtle. Prior. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. So there, he's he's happy and happy and healthy now. At least that's a good that we have right. a, a happy ending to that story as well. So yeah, definitely check that out and um, keep doing what you're doing. It's great. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. And again, the in the description, we have the links to Oakencrest uh, Wildlife Center, uh, to Willowbrook. And super close. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> See, I said you were super close. It's Oakencrest Wildlife Center and uh, Willowbrook Veterinary right, Team. Right. Thanks, Thanks, Nicholas. I should really just have the names posted up for me. That's yeah, totally fine. <laughs> awesome. And we also have the links here to Nicholas's uh, Instagram if you want to go out there and uh, follow him. I'm sure he'd be willing to to have a chat and definitely feel free to send me a message through Twitter, through Instagram, if you want to talk more about this issue and we will um, see you guys next time for the next chat that we have. Thank you so much.